Section zero of Clarissa Harlowe, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rebecca Braunard Plunkett. Clarissa Harlowe, Volume three by Samuel Richardson. Letters of Volume three. Letter one. Miss Howe to Clarissa is astonished, confounded, aghast. Repeats her advice to Mary Lovelace. Letter two. Clarissa to Miss Howe. Gives a particular account of her meeting Lovelace, of her vehement contention with him, and, at last, of her being terrified out of her predetermined resolution and tricked away. Her grief and compunction of heart upon it. Lays all to the fault of corresponding with him at first against paternal prohibition is incensed against him for his artful dealings with her and for his selfish love letter three mr lovelace to joseph lehman a letter which lays open the whole of his contrivance to get off clarissa letter four joseph lehman in answer letter five lovelace to belfort in ecstasy on the success of his contrivances well as he loves clarissa he would show her no mercy if he thought she preferred any man living to him will religiously observe the injunctions she laid upon him previous to their meeting. Letter 6. Clarissa to Miss Howe. A recriminating conversation between her and Lovelace. He reminds her of her injunctions, and, instead of beseeching her to dispense with them, promises a sacred regard to them. It is not, therefore, in her power, she tells Miss Howe, to take her advice as to speedy marriage. A note on the place, justifying her conduct is attended by Mrs. Green, Lord M.'s housekeeper at the lawn, who waits on her to her sister Sorling's, with whom she consents to lodge. His looks offend her. Has written to her sister for her clothes. Letter 7. Lovelace to Belfort. Gives briefly the particulars of his success. Describes her person and dress on her first meeting him. Extravagant exaltation makes Belford question him on the honour of his designs by her, and answers doubtfully. Letter 8. Miss Howe to Clarissa. Her sentiments on her narrative. Her mother, at the instigation of Antony Harlow, forbids their correspondence. Mr. Hickman's zeal to serve them in it. What her family now pretends if she had not left them. How they took her supposed projected flight offers her money and clothes, would have her seem to place some little confidence in Lovelace. Her brother and sister will not permit her father and uncles to cool. Letter 9, 10. Clarissa to Miss Howe. Advises her to obey her mother, who prohibits their correspondence. Declines to accept her offers of money. And why? Mr. Lovelace, not a polite man. She will be as ready to place a confidence in him, as he will be to deserve it. Yet, tricked away by him as she was, cannot immediately treat him with great complacence. Blames her for her liveliness to her mother. Encloses the copy of her letter to her sister. Letter 11. Lovelace to Belfort. Prides himself in his arts in the conversations between them. Is alarmed at the superiority of her talents considers opposition and resistance as a challenge to do his worst. 
his artful proceedings with joseph lehman letter twelve from the same men need only to be known to be rakes he says to recommend themselves to the favour of the sex wishes miss howe were not so well acquainted with clarissa and why letter thirteen from the same intends to set old antony at mrs howe to prevent the correspondence between the two young ladies girls not gold his predominant passion rallies belford on his person and appearance takes humorous notice of the two daughters of the widow sawlings letter fourteen from the same father triumphs over the harlows similitude of the spider and fly is for having separate churches as well as separate boarding schools for the sexes the women ought to love him he says and why prides himself that they do letter fifteen clarissa to miss howe particulars of an angry conference with lovelace seeing her sincerely displeased he begs the ceremony may immediately pass he construes her bashful silence into anger and vows a sacred regard to her injunctions letter sixteen seventeen eighteen lovelace to belford the pleasure of a difficult chase triumphs in the distress and perplexity he gave her by his artful and parading offer of marriage his reasons for and against doing her justice resolves to try her to the utmost the honour of the whole sex concerned in the issue of her trial matrimony he sees is in his power now she is letter nineteen miss howe to clarissa will not obey her mother in her prohibition of their correspondence and why is charmed with her spirit letter twenty clarissa to miss howe knows not what she can do with lovelace he may thank himself for the trouble he has had on her account did she ever she asks make him any promises did she ever receive him as a lover letter twenty one twenty two from the same she calls upon lovelace to give her a faithful account of the noise and voices she heard at the garden door which frightened her away with him his confession and daring hints in relation to Solmes, and her brother and betty barnes she is terrified letter twenty three lovelace to belford rejoices in the stupidity of the harlows exults in his capacity for mischief the condescensions to which he intends to bring the lady libertine observations to the disadvantage of women which may serve as cautions to the sex letter twenty four clarissa to miss howe a conversation with mr lovelace wholly agreeable his promises of reformation she remembers to his advantage his generosity to his rosebud and his tenants writes to her aunt harvey letter twenty five twenty six lovelace to belford his acknowledged vanity accounts for his plausible behaviour and specious promises and proposals apprehensive of the correspondence between miss howe and clarissa loves to plague him with out-of-the-way words and phrases letter twenty seven miss howe to clarissa how to judge of loveless suspicious proposals and promises hickman devoted to the service yet she treats him with ridicule letter twenty eight clarissa to miss howe 
loveless complaints she hears to mrs green of her adhering to her injunctions what means he by it she asks yet forego such opportunities as he had she is punished for her vanity in hoping to be an example blames miss howe for her behaviour to hickman letter twenty nine from the same warm dialogues with loveless she is displeased with him for his affectedly bashful hints of matrimony mutual recriminations he looks upon her as his she says by a strange sort of obligation for having run away with her against her will yet but touches on the edges of matrimony neither she is sick of herself letter thirty from the same mr lovelace a perfect proteus he now applauds her for that treatment of him which before he had resented and communicates to her two letters one from lady betty lawrence the other from miss montague she wonders he did not produce those letters before as he must know they would be highly acceptable to her letter thirty one thirty two thirty three thirty four from the same the contents of the letters from lady betty and miss montague put clarissa in good humour with mr lovelace he hints at marriage but pretends to be afraid of pursuing the hint she is earnest with him to leave her and why he applauds her reasonings her serious questions and his ludicrous answer he makes different proposals he offers to bring mrs norton to her she is ready to blame herself for her doubts of him but gives reasons for her caution he writes by her consent to his friend dolman to procure lodgings for her in town letter thirty five loveless to belford glories in his contrivances gives an advantageous description of clarissa's behaviour exults on her mentioning london none but impudent girls he says should run away with a man his father views plots and designs letter thirty six miss howe to clarissa humorously touches on her reproofs in relation to hickman observations on smooth love lord m's family greatly admire her approves of her spirited treatment of lovelace and of her going to london hints at the narrowness of her own mother advises her to keep fair with lovelace letter thirty seven thirty eight clarissa to miss howe wonders not that her brother has weighed to make her father irreconcilable copy of mr dolman's answer about london lodgings her cautions in her choice of them lovelace has given her five guineas for hannah other instances of his considerateness not displeased with her present prospects letter thirty nine lovelace to belford explains what is meant by dolman's answer about the lodgings makes belford object to his scheme that she may answer the objections exults swells despises everybody importance of the minutiae more of his arts views and contrivances letter forty miss howe to clarissa acquaints her with a scheme formed by her brother and captain singleton to carry her off hickman's silent charities she despises all his sex as well as him ill terms on which her own father and mother lived extols clarissa for her domestic good qualities particulars of a great contest with her mother on their correspondence has been slapped by her 
Observations on Managing Wives. Letter 41, 42, 43. Clarissa to Miss Howe. A strong remonstrance on her behavior to her mother, in which she lays down the duty of children. Accuses her of want of generosity to Hickman. Father excuses herself on declining to accept of her money offers. Proposes a condition on which Mrs. Howe may see all they write. Letter 44. Miss Howe to Clarissa. Her mother rejects the proposed condition. Miss Howe takes thankfully her reprehensions, but will continue the correspondence. Some excuses for herself. Humorous story of game chickens. Letter 45. Clarissa to Miss Howe. Lovelace communicates her brother's and Singleton's project, but treats it with seeming contempt. She asks his advice what to do upon it. This brings on an offer of marriage from him. How it went off. Letter 46. Lovelace to Belfort. He confesses his artful intentions in the offer of marriage, yet head-like, he says, to have been caught in his own snares. Letter 47. Joseph Lehman to Mr. Lovelace. With intelligence of a design formed against him by the Harlows. Joseph's vile hypocrisy and selfishness. Letter 48. Lovelace. In answer. Story of Miss Betterton. Boast of his treatment of his mistresses. The artful use he makes of Joseph's intelligence. Letter 49. Clarissa to her aunt Harvey. Complains of her silence. Hints at her not having designed to go away with Lovelace. She will open her whole heart to her, if she encourage her to do so, by the hopes of a reconciliation. Letter 50. Miss Howe to Clarissa. Observations on Lovelace's meanness, pride, and revenge. Politeness not to be expected from him. She raves at him for the artful manner in which he urges Clarissa to marry him. Advises her how to act in her present situation. Letter 51. Belford to Lovelace. Becomes a warm advocate for the lady. Gives many instructive reasons to enforce his arguments in her favor. Letter 52. Miss Harvey to Clarissa. A severe and cruel letter in answer to hers. Letter 49. It was not designed, she says, absolutely to force her to marry to her dislike. Letter 53. Clarissa to Miss Howe. Her deep regret on this intelligence for having met Lovelace. The finer sensibilities make not happy. Her fate too visibly in her power. He is unpolite, cruel, insolent, unwise, a trifler in his own happiness. Her reasons why she less likes him than ever. Her soul, his soul superior. Her fortitude, her prayer. Letter 54, 55. From the same. Now indeed is her heart broken, she says. A solemn curse laid upon her by her father. Her sister's barbarous letters on the occasion. Letter 56. Miss Howe to Clarissa. A letter full of generous consolation and advice. Her friendly vow. Sends her fifty guineas in the leaves of a Norris miscellaneous. Letter 57. Clarissa to Miss Howe. A faithful friend of the medicine of life. She is just setting out for London. Lovelace has offered marriage to her in so unreserved a manner that she wishes she had never written with diffidence of him. Is sorry it was not in her power to comply with his earnest solicitations. 
returned Sir Norris, and why. Letter 58-59. Miss Howe to Clarissa. Sorry she has returned to her Norris. Wishes she had accepted of loveless, unreserved offer of marriage. Believes herself to have a sneaking kindness for Hickman, and why. She blames Mrs. Harlow, and why. In answer to letter 8, Clarissa states the difference in the characters of Mr. Lovelace and Mr. Hickman, and tells her that her motives for suspending marriage were not merely ceremonious ones. Regrets Mrs. House forbidding the correspondence between them. Her dutiful apology for her own mother. Lesson to children. Letter 60. Lovelace to Belfort. Thinks he shall be inevitably manacled at last. The lady's extreme illness. Her filial piety gives her dreadful faith in a father's curses. She lets not Miss Howe know how very ill she was. His vows of marriage bring her back to life. Absolutely in earnest, in those vows, the only time he was so. He can now talk of love and marriage without check. Discounts upon Belfort's letter. Number 51. Letter 61. From the same. Is setting out for London. A struggle with his heart owns it to be a villain of a heart a fit of strong but transitory remorse if he do marry he doubts he shall have a vapourish wife thinks it would be better for both not to marry his libertine reasons lessons to the sex letter sixty two from the same they arrive at mrs sinclair's sally martin and polly horton set upon him he wavers in his good purposes Dorcas Wykes proposed and reluctantly accepted for a servant till Hannah can come. Dorcas's character. Why he has two great points to carry. What they are. End of section zero.